What's up everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Da Vinci Cases. Alright, so the way this works is we've got a clinical case followed by a board style question. So we're going to go through the question stem, point out the relevant clinical findings, take a look at the question and the answer choices, and then kind of divert for a minute and go through the relevant concepts to answering the question. Then we'll come back and apply those concepts that we went over to answering the question. So we've got a 15-year-old boy who's brought to the emergency department after passing out on the soccer field. So he's exerting himself, he's exercising. This could be a number of things. It could be just to kind of heat exhaustion. Could be dehydration. Or more seriously, it could be due to cardiac pathology. Let's keep reading to see what we find out. So the patient had a similar episode last week, so very recently, and it was during soccer practice but he did not seek medical evaluation. So we don't have a lot of details on that other than it was similar and it was much more recent. So he's developing a very recent history of exertional syncope, meaning that he's passing out when he's physically exerting himself, not when he's you know, just resting or sitting down. It's when he's really, he's, his heart rate is up and he's really physically exerting himself. On physical exam in the emergency department, the patient is found to have an S4 heart sound, which remember S4 corresponds to ventricular stiffness. It's commonly seen in conditions such as aortic stenosis or in conditions where there's narrowing of the left ventricular outflow tract. And so you have increased resistance to flow out of the aortic valve or the, or the left ventricular outflow tract. And so as a result of that, the heart has to work harder the muscle gets stiffer over time as it, as it has to chronically pump against this increased resistance. He's got a systolic murmur, and it's heard over the left sternal border, which again would correspond to the left ventricular outflow tract. What's interesting, though, is that this murmur, it increases in intensity when the patient moves from the squatting to the standing position. And we'll talk about what that means in a second. But one thing I want to point out is during systole in the left ventricle, Remember, the aortic valve is supposed to be open, and the mitral valve is supposed to be closed to prevent backflow into the left atrium. So from a valve standpoint, it's either going to be something like aortic stenosis or mitral valve regurgitation. It also, like we said in these, in these cardiac pathologies, could be a narrowing of the left ventricular outflow tract. Let's finish out the stem here, and then we'll get into the key findings. The patient has no significant past medical history and does not take any medications. So there's no underlying condition or chronic condition we need to worry about. There's no side effect from any medication. Family history is notable for a maternal uncle that died from sudden cardiac death during young adulthood. So when you ever have a family history like that, definitely going to increase your suspicion for a, some kind of cardiac abnormality or genetic cardiac abnormality. Let's look at the question here. Which of the following are responsible for this patient's disorder? And if you look at the answer choices here, it's a, it's a number of either defective or deficient levels of a certain protein. So really what this question is getting at, it's a two-part question. One, you have to get the diagnosis, and then two, you have to know what that underlying pathogenesis is that gives that patient that condition. Before we go through the answer choices, let's talk about the key history and exam findings. Now we've already gone through these in the stem, but we want to just put them in a nice organized list here and just summarize them. So again, we have an adolescent boy. He's presenting with exertional syncope. 
We've got an S4 heart sound due to stiffness in the ventricle. We've got a systolic murmur over the left sternal border. It increases in intensity when the patient moves from the squatting to the standing position. So what the significance of moving from squatting to standing means is so when a patient goes from the squat position to the standing position, what that does is, it, is the blood will flow from the core to the legs. Now what that does is that decreases venous return to the heart. And by decreasing venous return to the heart, what that does physiologically is that decreases the preload. And so you're decreasing the preload, which is you know essentially the stretching of the ventricular muscle. So you're decreasing the stretching of the ventricular muscle. And so what that does is that increases the intensity of the murmur. That's really important, and, and we'll go over that on the next slide on what the importance of that is. So we've got a murmur, that, a systolic murmur, that increases intensity with decreased preload. Lastly here, we just have no significant past medical history, no medications. We talked about that already. Family history of a maternal uncle dying from a sudden cardiac death during young adulthood. So you're definitely worried about an inherited cardiac abnormality here. So putting this all together, let's start here with the S4 heart sound and the systolic murmur. So there you would maybe be inclined to say this is aortic stenosis. Two problems with that. Number one, aortic stenosis is typically a disease of elderly, so not adolescent boys or adolescent girls. It's typically in elderly people, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on, because it's a disease of aging. It's a disease of calcifying of the, of the leaflets, of the aortic leaflets. The other thing is that this murmur increases in intensity with decreased preload. Aortic stenosis, on the other hand, the murmur increases with increased preload, so just the opposite. So it can't be aortic stenosis for those two specific reasons. One, it's just the history doesn't work out, and then also physiologically. The reason why aortic stenosis increases is because you just have increased blood that is shooting out through that stenotic valve, and so it's going to make it noisier. Remember, stenotic flow is very noisy, and so if, you if you're increasing the amount of blood that's going through there, you're, it's going to, you know, you could think of it as kind of upping the pressure through a, a narrow valve or a narrow hose, um, it's going to be obviously a louder, you know, streaming sound otherwise. So what this is classic for is obstruction of the left ventricular outflow tract. And specifically, in the case of, you know, an inherited genetic disorder, what this would be called is hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. Now, cardiomyopathy is a general term. In pathology, it refers to just thickening of the heart muscle. There's restrictive, there's obstructive, there's dilated cardiomyopathy. So in this case, this is a subset of obstructive cardiomyopathy. It's abbreviated HOCAM. So you may see that in some study resources. And let's just draw a diagram here to illustrate this. So we've got the ventricles like this. This would be the right ventricle. This is the left ventricle like this. We have the ventricular septum like this. Here's the tricuspid valve. Here's the right atrium here. Here's the aorta here coming out, aortic valve like this. Here's the mitral leaflets like this. Here's the left atrium like this. So this would be the mitral valve. And then here's the aortic valve here, and the aorta is here. 
So this is a result of two pathological processes. Number one, you have asymmetric septal hypertrophy. And so what you have is this ventricular septum here becomes thickened. And it's due to genetic mutation that results in increased thickening of this septum here. And so what it does, as you can see, as it expands out, it already obstructs flow out through the aortic valve or the left ventricular outflow tract. The other thing you have is during systole, you have anterior motion of the mitral valve. So the mitral valve is going to move in this way. And so you can see it's further obstructing flow out through the left ventricular outflow tract. So those two things cause obstruction of flow. So clinically, patients will often present with either dyspnea or they'll even have syncope like we have in our patient, especially when they're exerting themselves. So clinically, the symptoms-wise is very similar to aortic stenosis because, again, you're, you know, both diseases are obstructing flow out through the aorta. Now, as far as why decreased preload causes an increase in intensity of the murmur, what that does is it decreases left ventricular expansion. And so, because if you were to expand the left ventricle, let's say you had an increased preload, you have more blood coming in here, you know, you're obviously gonna stretch the ventricle out and so you're going to increase this space here between the mitral valve and this asymmetric, abnormally enlarged septum. And so you're going to have increased space here. And so blood would be able to flow out more easily, and thus you'd have uh, less of an intense murmur. Versus if you decrease the preload, and so things come closer together, what you're going to do is narrow that left ventricular outflow track, and that's going to increase the intensity. It's going to make it you know, a much narrower outlet and so as a result of that you're going to increase the intensity of the murmur and so you have this you know murmur over the left sternal border the other thing you can also have is because since you have motion of this mitral leaflet here you can also have mitral regurgitation in these patients as well now as far as the the family history component here this is an autosomal dominant inheritance so coming back to the answer choices we know that it's hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. Let's see which of these answer choices corresponds to the pathogenesis of hokum. So first, deficient fibrillin synthesis. This is what's characteristic of Marfan syndrome, which affects elastic tissue. Which these patients are particularly at risk for, and as far as cardiovascular system goes, is aortic aneurysms and dissections. And so if a patient has an aortic dissection, it can actually be a same, you know, scary presentation where young, uh, young athlete passes out on the, or collapses on the, you know, the soccer field, the basketball court, um, something where they're, you know, an, an activity where they're physically exerting themselves. Defective sarcomere proteins. So this is the pathogenesis of hokum. So this is our answer choice. What you have is this, you know, it's an inherited mutation in an autosomal dominant inheritance pattern, and it results in defective sarcomere proteins, which results in, you know, defective formation of muscle, muscle tissue, and, and as particularly that septum. And so that's what gives you that asymmetric septal hypertrophy. Let's just go through the rest of the answer choices here. So deficient collagen synthesis, this is characteristic of Elhurst-Danlos syndrome. This is typically, as far as uh, cardiovascular system, is, is these patients are at risk for aneurysms. More so cerebral aneurysms, but you can also see aortic aneurysms as well. Systematic formation of granulomas. This is a disease known as sarcoidosis, where you have, it's an inflammatory disorder, where you have formation of these benign growths called granulomas and organs throughout the body. One of those can be the heart. 
This typically leads to more so restrictive cardiomyopathy, which is a different type of cardiomyopathy. Restrictive cardiomyopathy is where you have deposition of you know foreign material such as sarcoidosis in the in the heart muscle, and so it restricts the pumping action of of the heart. So that's restrictive cardiomyopathy. Lastly, here you have decreased binding of HFE protein to the transferrin receptor. This results in increased absorption of iron. And so what that results in is then iron overload in the body. It's essentially the regulatory system that keeps you from over-absorbing iron or having abnormally high levels of iron in the blood is, is dysfunctional. And so these patients have iron overload, and this is a condition known as hereditary hemochromatosis. So you have iron depositing in organs throughout the body. And so the heart is another example of that. And it, these patients can also develop restrictive cardiomyopathy. So that isn't our answer choice either. So this is a patient with hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy, which is due to a genetic mutation that results in defective sarcomere proteins. All right, that's all I have for you this week. Make sure you check back every Wednesday for new Da Vinci cases. And then to see the corresponding video for this audio, check out our website at dviacademy.com, where you can also find PDF notes for this audio as well. Also on our site, you can find our book and video packages for anatomy and biochemistry. You can also follow us on Instagram for weekly posts and video. And then lastly, if you have any questions about the content of this video or about Da Vinci Academy, put them in the comments and our team will be sure to answer them. All right, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.